If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 11, the Hall of Fame of Faith, and we're going to continue through that for the next couple of services, and then we'll be finished with Hebrews chapter 11, and go into Hebrews chapter 12, amen, for a few verses anyway. And uh, this um, Wednesday night, we're going to still go back to our series on the measure of your life, and I'll probably just have one more message on that, that's measure your life by faith, and so I hope that you'll come uh, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, amen, we only got a few weeks together as a church, and then we all spread out and serve the Lord, and that's good, through Master Club, and let's pray for the buses, we pray for the, as we crank back up, that God keep everybody safe, and uh, keep everybody well, we prayed a hedge around all the school kids, all the college kids at the 540 prayer meeting, and I believe that's scriptural, to pray a hedge around them. Uh, protection, not only spiritually, or uh, physically, but spiritually. So I'd like to preach on a message entitled Standing by Faith. And you know, in these last days, we need to stand by faith. Uh, I noticed that uh, Dr. Sexton had a scientist on his program uh, Tuesday morning, y'all listen to that, about all the vaccines have a um, little identifying nano, just a, a microscopic, microscopic, that they can uh, trace you. And that's all uh, probably a forecast to uh, how the Antichrist will keep up with their body. And so it was a fascinating uh, lesson from a scientist about that. And I believe we are in the last days. And I believe all this could get uh, people used to uh, uh, the government trying to tell you what to do. And uh, I think we need to listen to uh, our hearts and to our spiritual leaders, uh, not just the government. Amen. And especially out in California, uh, as they've gone bananas and went liberal. Well, they've already been liberal, but I mean, they're trying to close the churches down and doing a pretty good job of it. If you'll stand on to the Word of God, I want to uh, skip Samuel. I'll get back to him next Sunday morning. And I want to go to the four men of God named Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I don't know why we use Daniel's uh, spiritual name and we don't use uh, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's Jewish names. That always has puzzled me, but I can't remember their names right now, but I'll get to it. And uh, we're going to call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego right now, but that's heathen names. I wouldn't want to be referred to by that. Look at verse 33, and you'll see where I'll pick up Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It says, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, attained promises, and here it is, stop the mouth of lions. Now, I don't know anybody stopped the mouth of lions except uh, um, Daniel, not Belshazzar, but Daniel. But look at this next verse. This is neat. It says, quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, wax valiant in fight, turn to flight the armies of the aliens. So I want to preach on uh, standing by faith or conquering compromise. There ought to be two words you uh, cut out of your dictionary, and they both start with a K, and that's quit and compromise. I'm glad a few of you caught that, amen? But anyway, uh, I think you ought to tear out those two words, uh, just uh, cut them out of your dictionary. Don't ever quit. Don't ever compromise. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for uh, the wonderful prayer meeting. It was just such a thrill to be back in that room after five months. Lord, I prayed many a times by myself 
as we did the internet prayer room, but God, it was just special to see all the folks there and praying together and bearing each other's burdens and hearing their heartbeats. God, there's so many urgent prayer requests. That pastor's family that was in that terrible accident and the pastor's son's hanging on for life. God, missionary kids in the, in the car with them. And, well, we know the devil's aim is to try to destroy and discourage the parents that are missionaries and pa the pastor and his wife. And so, Lord, please be with that family that's crushed and broken. I pray, God, you'd raise up the 13-year-old that uh, uh, might not make it. And, Lord, we just so many urgent prayer requests. And, Lord, the election coming up, God help us there. We need you to intervene. And we need Christians to vote their principles based on the Word of God. But, Lord, we pray, dear God, for this service tonight that you would uh, help us get across the message. Lord, I know I've preached over 8,000 messages in this uh, building, but it never gets easy, and I'm still nervous. And I pray to your God you speak through me as a channel that's yielded. And we'll thank you and praise you uh, for the encouragement we get to stand even alone sometimes, but Lord, to stand for you and with you with all our hearts in these last perilous, wicked, confusing days. We're going to thank you and praise you for the privilege in Jesus' name, amen. Now turn back to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. We're going to preach the entire chapter in the next 30 minutes. And uh, I want you to see some things that I believe will help you and encourage you um, because I believe with all my heart that we are in a tremendous time of assault against our fundamental faith. We're in assault against uh, morality uh, on the principles that God's given us on life and marriage. And I mean, it is a warfare. And we need four or five of you to determine like Daniel that you're not going to compromise and give in this world, that you're going to uh, have a life that's powerful and different as a light on a hilltop, and that your life will be proof positive evidence there's a God to live for and if need be, die for. Amen. So let's look at uh, Daniel chapter 1. I won't have you stand during the 21 verse. That's a long time for you to stand. Um, but you ought to be up here and stand. But it says, In the third year of the reign of Joachim, the king of Judah came, uh, Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon, into Jerusalem and besieged, besieged it. And the Lord gave Joachim king of Judah unto the hands with part of the vessels of the house of God, uh, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of of his God, little g. Now listen. And he brought the vessels unto the treasure house of his God. Now listen. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, Naz, the master of the eunuchs, and he should bring certain of the children of Israel, of the king's seed, and of the princesses, children in whom there was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding and science, and such as had ability to them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so he nourished them three years, three years now, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. And now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Ananias, Mishael, and Azariah, that's the spiritual names. And unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave to Daniel the name of Belshazzar, and to Hananiah 
Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel, but Daniel, here's, here's, here's the text, purposed in his heart. Say amen right there, purposed in his heart. Somebody's got a purpose in their heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. And therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuch that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king who has appointed your meat and your drink. Why should you see your face as worse like, liking than the children which are of, uh, are of your sort? Then shall you make me endangered, endanger my head to the king. And then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, prove thy servants, I beseech thee ten days, let them give us pulse, that's vegetables, uh, to eat and water to drink. Now listen to this. Then let our countenance be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days. At the end of ten days, <clears throat> there was a countenance appeared fair and fatter, amen, in the flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. And thus, Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill and all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the princes of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, <clears throat> and the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Han Hananiah, M Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. And, all, and listen to this, in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and the astrologers that were in all the realm. And Daniel continued even to the first year of King Cyrus. At 70 years, he continued. Amen. Let's pray and ask God to bless uh, this message. Father, use it for your glory and help us, God, not to compromise, but help us to stand by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want you to see that what compromise is, uh, it's defined as the settlement of differences by mutual concession. An agreement reached by adjustment of conflicting or opposing claims, principles, or by reciprocal modification of demands. It's the results of a settlement. It's something intermediate between different things. That's compromise. I want to tell you something. God did not call us to compromise. God called us to be Christ-like. God called us in these last days not to be filled with compromise, but filled with compassion that makes a difference and makes us different, amen? We need to realize tonight that uh, there is a constant onslaught to try to get us to go with the world's flow and not be different and not be a, uh, uh, a testimony, but just to blend in. And folks, we're at a serious crossroads in America. I'm telling you, there is an onslaught 
against old-fashioned, fundamental Christianity. And I'm going to tell you, it is, it is prevalent, it is obvious, it's wicked, uh, it's shocking to me that something like this would take place in the nation that was founded by God, one nation under God. They've been trying to take that out, amen? And folks, I believe there's an onslaught about the nuclear, nuclear family. Now they're having an agenda of uh, same-sex marriages and transgender marriages and, and all this junk, I mean, this filth, to shake their fist at God and say, I am my own God, I'll define marriage, I'll define uh, gender, I'll define where life begins. And folks, no man, no man is able to define that. Only God can define that, amen? And he's blessed us with life. So I want you to see, first of all, in verses one through seven, the problems at hand, the problems at hand. And this is so much like today. These Hebrew boys face several challenges. And as you go to college, as you go to high school, as you uh, go through life, even today, you're gonna face some challenges and you're gonna be a target of the world and they wanna get you to blend in and compromise. Children, don't do it. Uh, live for God. Uh, one compromise will lead to another compromise. I'll never forget a few uh, years ago, I was uh, in the office talking to somebody. I think it was you, Brother Travis. And uh, he said, I'm afraid to miss a service because if I start missing one, I'll miss two and I'll miss three and I'll miss four. And I said, that's the way you ought to be. I mean, you ought to be afraid to compromise. You're afraid to back down. You're afraid to get slack. Because I, I know my temperament and I know my flesh. If I ease up, that's why I'm nervous about all this. They're saying that 33% of the church will not come back. Well, let's make that wrong, say amen. I believe there's gonna be more than 33% come back from our church and we ought to go after them and we ought to turn it up and we ought to be a better church than we've ever been before and not just give in to saying 33% is never gonna come back. I hope that's not true. That means a third of you won't come back. Now, I think y'all come back. I mean, it's the, third, it's the third that ain't here, amen? They ain't gonna never come back. And I want them to come back. I love them. I miss them. Thank God for you sending out cards and making phone calls. But I want to tell you something. The world is constantly, constantly eroding your convictions, eroding your commitment. And folks, don't let the world uh, get a, a, a foothold in your, in your heart at all. Praise God, take a stand. And if you don't do something on purpose, you'll fall for every other purpose of the devil. Say amen. You need a purpose in your heart that you're gonna do something for God. But I see some uh, problems. Number one, these young people had a new home, a new home. Look at verses one and two. It says, the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, uh, and they uh, took over the vessels of the house of God and carried them to a heathen temple. I mean, it was wicked. And a heathen gods, they put the treasures into their, in their heathen house. And then they decided, we need to bring up some boys, some young men. And they got four of them, four of them. And there they constantly reminded their God of the importance of, uh, of life in their own life. But friend, when they got into this new home, uh, I'm going to tell you something. There was an uh, onslaught against these young men's faith. And they wanted to change everything about them. And so they put them in a new environment. And folks, that's why we need to be faithful to attend church, say amen. amen. Don't forsake the assembling yourselves together, the Bible says. And then it also says in previous verses, and provoke each other to love and exhort one another. We 
need each other. <clears throat> and we need preaching. And we need some rebuke of sin. And we need our feet stepped on sometimes because we can get lazy. We can get slack. And we can live for our own leisure if we're not careful. Say so, amen. The Christian life takes discipline. And they had all this new surrounding. And all it was saying is compromise, conform to this world, not your world. Number two, they had new knowledge. Look at verse three. And children in whom there's no blemish, well-favored and skillful in wisdom and cunning to, in knowledge, and understanding science and such as has ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And so here they are trying to teach them a new language, um, a new custom, and folks, a new way of looking at life. Let me just say this. You're going to be, you're going to be uh, onslaught by a new philosophy of life. It's called a new age movement. There's no karma. There's a Christ. Amen. There's not a new age. There is his age. And all belongs to God. Say amen. And also submit to God. But folks, there is a wild philosophy going on of humanism. And that all we got to do is be our best self. And then we're not, a, we're not pleased with anything that's done and there's a rebellion against all authority in America and around the world. And I want to tell you something, it's nothing but a rebellion against the authority of God. Right. You know, folks, we need to love one another. That's authority of God. We need, to, we need to forgive one another. That's based on the authority of the word of God. And folks, this world is blatant and they're intolerable they want to call you outdated. I mean, when you get to, when you get to college, you'll find out, and I, got, I, I met it. I, I mean, I, I was faced with it. An intolerable, um, outdated God they said I had. Now, I was sitting in geology class, minding my own business, and I took geology because I had to have a science, and I didn't like biology because I couldn't pass it. And I was a soccer player, and I was there to play soccer, and uh, I got a free, free ride, so I was sitting pretty good, and then the, then the, then the first uh, midterm exam came. And they said, I want you to put down the, your theory of evolution, and I want you to put it in one page or less, and I want you to uh, uh, answer that in geology class now of what you think about the evolution of man. Well, on that midterm, I began to pray and I really, I knew what they wanted, but I didn't spew their little answer back at them so I could pass the test. And I put, God made, made us, the Bible says it, and that settles it. Those three sentences on that page. And I'm going to tell you something. I didn't know what was going to happen the next minute, but when I turned that paper in, he read that page first. I knew he, he knew I, he, I was some soccer player that was just trying to cause trouble, and I wasn't. I was trying to take a stand for God. And he called me up and cussed me out publicly in the classroom. He said, what do you think I am, some blankety-blank atheist? And I wanted to answer back, but I didn't say anything. I was a little scared. Uh, I had a pencil in my hand. I remember I broke it. And I was not mad. I was just saying, this is it. I'm going to fail. I'm going to lose my scholarship. I'm going to lose college. My mother's going to kill me for losing that because she's paying the rest of it. And, and I'm trying to do a paper route to do the rest of it. And I said, I'm in big trouble. And I looked at him and I said, Professor, no disrespect, but I want to tell you something. This is what I believe, and I believe, I believe it's the truth. He says, well, you erase it or you'll, you'll fail. 
And I said, well, number one, I, I wrote it in ink. And number two is, I'm not erasing it. Well, I want to tell you something. The last half of that geology class where we were sitting there, granite, calcium, I mean, it was just really great. I was a business major, and here we are identifying rocks and learning about how the world's billions and billions of years old. And I'm at George State University, just minding my own business. But I want to tell you something. I had to study so hard, and I pulled up my F to a C+. Plus. Hallelujah. Amen. I made the highest grade on the final to get it to the C+. Plus. Amen. And I want to tell you something, folks. God will honor you if you'll stand for God. And God will bless you. I didn't win that professor, Lord, but praise God he didn't kick me out and he didn't sway my belief. Amen. I'm going to tell you something, friend. There is an outdated, intolerant attitude towards this ancient thing called Christianity. Don't you believe it? And folks, I want you to know um, what he said 4,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, what he said in this blessed book, it's still the truth, always will be the truth, so help your God believe it, amen? Thank the Lord for it. I'm saying there was a problem. The problem was a new knowledge, a new home, and then the Bible says in Psalms 119.89, the word is settled in heaven, in heaven. Um, but then there was number three, a new diet. A new diet. Look at verse five. And the king, the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourished them three years. At the end of thereof, they might stand before the king. Now they had to fit, fatten them up before they could stand before the king. But folks, that wasn't uh, physical only. All their lives, these four young men had lived by the dietary laws handed down to them by the Lord. And now they faced some new food. And most likely that food was unclean by Jewish standards. And therefore it probably been offered to their ungodly gods, their false gods. So it was defiled meat. Now I'm sure it was T-bone steak, ponderosa. Praise God, I guarantee, I love steak. Praise God, I'm getting hungry right now. Um, uh, I mean, it was that big old cut. What do you call it? But anyway, T-bone, uh, uh, I'm not talking about the little six ounce sirloin. I mean, he, they probably slapped it right before them and said, you're going to eat this meat. And they said, no, I'm not. And then the, uh, the service said, you're going to get me killed. Daniel, tell those three young men that they got to eat this steak and eat this meat that's been offered to our God. It's good enough for us. It's good enough for you. And I want to tell you something, friend. They would not compromise and they would not recant. And folks, today, there's a decision about what kind of entertainment you'll have, what kind of music you listen to, what kind of uh, uh, choices you make in personal relationship. I want to tell you something. You have the wrong friends, they'll bring you down every time. You date the wrong guy, and he can ruin your life. Say amen. Folks, don't compromise. Don't compromise and making choices that could last for eternity, but I know will last for years and years to come Folks, listen, as young people, please, I pray, don't take that which is defiled. Don't have defiled relationships. Don't listen to defiled music. Don't listen to defiled philosophies that you'll be bombarded with. And folks, I want you to know that, oh, Daniel had a good plan. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, um, they submitted to this plan. To disprove us, 10 days, all vegetable, all water, and just, just look at us and see 
how it is. And I want to tell you something, folks. They were fatter and happier, and they even had a good complexion. Amen. Praise God. I guess vegetables would be good for us. Amen. But I'm a meat eater. But um, thank God I'm not a Jew. But I, I want you to know this, friend. There's a new diet, but the new diet is this. God want, the devil wants to get you having an appetite for the world. The appetite for the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And one of the biggest things is there's political pressure today, but there's peer pressure. Oh, everybody wants to be accepted. And if you start falling for that, I'm going to tell you, if you start falling for that, you're going to fall for greater deception later on when Casanova comes in your life and he's wicked. When the, when the beautiful lady comes in your life and tries to charm you uh, to, to marry her, and, and you do, and you make the mistake of your lifetime because you're used to compromising in your friendships, in your relationships, in your diet, in your desires. Then number four, they gave them new names. They gave them new names. I want you to look at these names, please. And um, verse six and seven, the Bible says, and now among them were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We ought to call them by that, amen? I'm gonna try my best to memorize that and stop calling Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But that's what I was taught all my Sunday school years, amen? I can't get it out of my soul. I'll try. See what brainwashing will do to you? But anyway, look at verse seven. It says, and to whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, he gave unto Daniel the name of Belshazzar. Shire. Thank God we don't have the book of Belshazzar, amen? And then to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach and to Azariah Abednego. Now there's more to names in the Bible than our names. My name is Wayne, which means wagon maker. Well, what a, what a you know. And my, my mother named me after John Wayne. Partners, you know, I ain't never, I never, I never been to Texas. You know, so I, you know, she just liked John Wayne, so I'm, I'm Kenneth Wayne. I think I'm gonna change my name to Kenneth because that's a biblical name. No, it's not really, but, um, Daniel, what's it mean? It means God is ju my judge. What a great name. God is my judge. Why don't you go around and say, hey, my name means God is judge and I'm gonna not let him down because he knows all about me. Number two, Hananiah means God is gracious. Hey, Mishael means God is without equal. Hallelujah for that name. I want some of y'all to name your next baby Mishael. But anyway, Amen. What do you name your uh, kids? But anyway, look at look at look at uh, or name them something. But anyway, Azariah, the Lord is my helper. Think about it. Azariah, that's a good name. The Lord is my helper. But when they arrived in Babylon, they were given new names. Here they are. Daniel became Belteshazzar, Shazer, Belteshazzar. You know what that means? Baal will protect. Bell ain't gonna protect. It's just like Taco Bell is not Mexican, amen? Bell is not gonna, ta uh, 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 Bell is not gonna protect. There ain't no God of this world can protect you like God, say amen. Then Hananiah became Shadrach, and Shadrach means inspiration of the sun, S-U-N. Mishael became Meshach, which means belonging to A-Q, A-K-U. Another heathen God. And then Azariah became Abednego, which means servant of, of, of Nego, N-E-G-O. That's another heathen God. 
So Nebuchadnezzar's goal was this, to change not their name, but their identity. Amen? It's plain to see as you read the book of Daniel that even though their names were changed, praise God, their character remained intact. Thank God for kids. Thank God for adults. Thank God for Christians that have some character. That means live right when nobody knows it. Measured by what it takes for you to quit and what it takes for you to compromise. You ought to have some character. Christian character, say amen. We live in a world where there's no character. There's not even human character. I mean, folks, there's people that lie to you. These politicians are a bunch of liars. I'm glad we got a president that's trying to keep his promise. I don't like his attitude, don't like his language, don't like his disposition. I love the vice president, but I want the president to stay in. But I'm going to tell you this, he keeps his word. Say amen. Now, some of y'all tuning off right now, the Democrats at home just changed channels. They sure did. You better hang on, because I'm telling the truth. Character keeps their word. Character, your word is your bond. Say amen. Remember those days where somebody gave you your word? Now it's, hey, will you give me a down payment, earnest, and, and, uh, and $15,000 is a pro promissory note, then I'll believe. No, folks, if a person gives their word, they ought to keep their word. And folks, character's important. The world and the devil will try to, uh, every tactic in the world to force you into their mold, to their identity. I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 3. I want you to look at verse 1 through 2. And I'm not near finished, so don't pack up. Look at this, 1 John 1, 2, 3, 1, 2. Boy, wasn't the children so good this morning? I praise God. It was wonderful. Amen. One fellow said, I, I'm just afraid to come because my kids, my kids might, might act up. I want to tell you something. His kids were better than him. <laughs> Amen. No, they were all good. But I'll tell you what, friend. Thank God come on anyway. Amen. We might never open up the nursery again because Miss Tawny's enjoying being in here so much. You ought to be the nursery director sometime. When somebody don't show up, she's stuck in there. Amen? And she's enjoying it right now, so we're not rushing it. Y'all get mad at Tawny. Don't get mad at me. But anyway, look at this. First John chapter 3, and look at verse 1 and 2. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Can anybody get over the love of God? Praise God. Folks, listen. You ought to stand for God because he loved you and stood for you in Calvary. It's your reasonable service. You become a living dead thing. Look at this. That we should be called the sons of God. Whew. Oh, thank God. I'm more than a co-fill. I'm a Christian. It says, therefore the world knoweth us not. Mm -mm. Because he knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, thank God it's soon. We shall be like him, and we shall see him as he is. But it doesn't stop there. A lot of people want to be like Jesus when they get to heaven, but look what verse 3 says. <clears throat> and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Amen. Our blessed hope ought to change our blessed life. It ought to change our blessed attitude. Amen? 
Folks, I want to tell you something, friend. He is with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. And I want to tell you something. There's no temptation that's not common to man that he is faithful to give us a way out. And folks, I want to tell you something. Look at this. Looking at the stand these four young men took there in Babylon. It ought to move you because you're going to face that crossroad. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You're going to face it more than you ever thought. When you get out in this world, so high school and being under the parents' wings and being at home, you're a little protected because you ought to have a daddy, praise God, that won't put up with it. Say amen. Won't let you hang around the heathen won't let you do what you want to do because he loves you. He puts some standards and, and even curfews on you. Oh, the, nobody likes curfews. I used to break them and I'd pay for them. I'd sneak in and my mother, she had ears of a rabbit. She could hear me creak in my bedroom downstairs now and it was 12.02, I'd had it the next morning. And that's embarrassing when you're 18 years old and get wore out by your mama, I'll tell you that. But anyway, as long as I was home, she said, I'm under your... You're under my rule. I said, what, ma'am? She said, don't even, don't, even, don't even ask me to repeat that. You know what I'm talking about. I said, yes, ma'am. And I did. But I want to tell you this, friend. Thank God for a mama that had some convictions. But when you get older, that's when, the, that's when it's going to take. When you get in the career world and all your little buddies want you to give in to the, for the company social and drink and sip a little wine with them, and you say no, and you're afraid you'll lose your promotion if you don't, then there's the test. There's the test. When they want you to work every Sunday and Wednesday, there's the test. But then you go to college, and you have these heathen professors. Not all of them are heathen. Some of, you, some of them are Christians. Thank God for them. But they want to spew that philosophy that is old-fashioned, out-of-date, and ancient to be a Christian. Don't you listen to them. You stand for God. And folks, I want to tell you something. The problem at hand leads to the purpose of their heart. I want you to see, second of all, the purpose of their heart. And I'll, just, I'll, I'll try to be brief. But I want you to look at verse 8 through 16. Now Daniel purposed in his heart. I want you to underline that, please. Highlight it if you've got a real bright yellow highlighter. That's worthy of it. That he should not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine, that he drank, therefore, he requested of the princes of the eunuch that he might not defile himself. He said, I'm not eating that heathen meat. It wasn't against the meat, it's where it's been, sacrificed to the gods. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuch. He'd already, you know, he was, he was the best one, he was the best employee they had. That's why you ought to be. You ought to be the best student and best employee, but still stand for God. But look at this. And the prince of the eunuch said unto Daniel, I fear my Lord, the king, who has appointed your meat and your drink. For why should you see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king. So I'm going to lose my head because y'all not going to be as healthy and, and, and uh, have a good countenance if you don't eat the meat, the steak of the king and the steak of the heathen. And look at verse 11. Then said Daniel to Melzar, from the prince of the eunuchs that said over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, prove thy servants. Can somebody say that about you? Prove that Christ is real. Prove that God is still on the throne. Prove it. It's easy to say it, but prove it. Live it. Look at this. 
I beseech thee ten days, let them give uh, us pulse or vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenance be looked upon before thee and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat as thou seest, deal with thy servant. So he consented to them in this matter and proved them 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all, listen to the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus, Melshar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. Folks, listen, I see verse eight, the dedication, their dedication. Can somebody say about your life that you're a dedicated Christian? And folks, to be dedicated means committed. Are you a committed Christian? Or are you just a pew warmer? Or a fence straddler? I mean, you get out in public and you, and you cow down and you don't even stand for godliness. You don't stand for God. You don't stand separate. You, somebody makes fun of you, you cow down to their pressure, called peer pressure. We ought to have in, inside peer pressure, spiritual pressure. And folks, I want you to know this, is that the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. Holy. We don't like that word. Holy. Except unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renew of your mind that you may prove, there's that word prove, that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I want to ask you a question. Are you proof positive evidence of the aliveness of God because of your dedication? And I want to tell you where it starts, up front. Verse 8, Daniel got with these young men, and I believe they all purposed in their heart. They did something on purpose. They said, we're in a heathen country with a heathen diet, with a heathen philosophy. Boys, we're going to be attacked. Let's purpose. I can see them holding hands right now. You can, do, you can do that when there's not a virus. I can see them holding hands and praying, oh, God, make us strong. Make us valiant. Make us determined. No matter what, no matter what they do to us, help us to purpose in our heart that we will not recant, we will not compromise, we'll not quit, that we're called to be ambassadors for God in this heathen land. Guess what? You are too. And you're in a heathen land. Yeah, America used to be Christ-centered, now it's anti-Christ-centered. And then, now we're in a post-Christian era. I believe that it breaks my heart that we are. And the church is not the popular place to be now. People are standing against it. Half of California is on fire and they're still trying to close the church down. God help them. Bunch of liberal, hypocritical, ungodly leadership. And people give in to that. Oh, folks, listen. We need to dedicate ourselves up front or we're going to fall on our face when it comes to the test. You got a purpose. You got a purpose. You got to do some things on purpose. If you don't, you'll fall for every whim of the devil, every crafty move of the devil. Number two, we got to need a purpose in our heart about our desires. In an effort to maintain their ceremony pur purity before the Lord, they requested they not be forced to eat the king's meat. And they knew if they did that, they were jeopardizing their life. 
But he said, okay, we'll put you to the test. And 10 days later, 10 days later, praise God, they didn't give in to the popular meat. They didn't give in to the, the whim of the world. Praise God, they did the right thing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Their desire was to please God rather than man on purpose. Are you going to live for God? There ought to be a dedication. There ought to be a desire. The whole point of this section of text, I believe, was to get these young men uh, mind, not their stomach. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were willing to die rather than compromise. Thank God Daniel was 80 years old when he was thrown in the lion's den. And he was still standing for God. And it took place in chapter one when he said, I'm purposing. Let's set up a covenant, young men. We're not going to compromise. And they didn't. And thank God for them. And folks, I want to tell you something. We compromise many ways today in our speech, in our dress, in our music, in our lifestyle, in our companionships. We live one way in church and we leave, leave church and we live another way. And folks, the world says, where is your God? It's not, he's not much different than my God. And that's, my God's myself. My God's this world. My God's entertainment. My God is my emotions. And I want to tell you something. Shadrach, Ming, Shadrach, and Abednego, they didn't go to the lions then. They went to the fire pit. Look over Daniel chapter 3. Let me give you about four verses there. Y'all know the story. But he set up an image of himself to be worshipped. King Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold, and it was a tall image, and, and he made a decree that everybody, when the band starts, I bet it was rock and roll music too, when the band starts, everybody's got to fall on their face. And when the band started, everybody fell on their face, except there was three in the crowd that didn't. They stood there. Now, they wasn't being cocky like a lot of young people. They were just being convicted that they couldn't bow the feet of the devil. And Nebuchadnezzar said in verse 14, look at this. He said unto them, is it true? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do you not serve my gods nor worship the golden image which I've set up? And you know something, without a heartbeat, without a, without a missing a beat, um, he gave them another chance. And he said, if you don't, Give, if you do stand up, I'm going to throw you in the hottest fire ever made. In verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Old Nebuchadnezzar, we're in chapter 3 now. We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Why were they not careful to answer thee in that matter? Because they'd already made up their mind, already purposed in their heart, already surrendered on the altar of sacrifice of themselves. And look at verse 17. I just love to read it. If it didn't have anything to do with this message, I'd read it anyway. Look at verse 17. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But I like verse 18. But if not, be it known to you, the old king, I bet the king's mouth is dropping open by now, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. 
And so Nebuchadnezzar got it mad as a wet setting hen, verse 19. And I want to tell you something. He commanded the mighty men to bind them. And I want to tell you something. He threw them in the fire so hot that the people that threw them in the fire got burned up. And folks, praise God, he looked in and he answered and said, Nebuchadnezzar in verse 24 said, he was astonished, rose up in the haste and spake and said unto the counselors, did not we cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto him, the king, true, O king. And he answered and said, lo, I see four men loosed, walking in the midst of the fire. They have no hurt and form of the fourth is like the son of God. No, folks, listen. I see the king changed his mind about God because of three young men. In verse 26, and Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the most high God. Here's a heathen that said, ye servants of the most high God. Come forth from hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the midst of the fire. And the princes and the governors and the captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose body the fire had no power, nor was hair in their head singed. Neither were their coats changed, for the smell of fire had passed on them. That's more than you can say about some Baptists. But look at this, verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar, spake and said, blessed be the God. Oh, the king, the heathen king says, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has set his angel and delivered his servant that trusted in him and has changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any God, little g, except their own God, big G. And look at verse 29 and 30. Therefore I make a decree, heathen king, that every pe people, nation, language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. <laughs> Amen. Hey, they hadn't purposed in chapter one that had never been in chapter three that had been burned up by compromise, burned up by the devil's philosophy. Look at verse 30. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. I got to go and so do you, but I want to tell you something, friend. He changed his whole tune. And last but not least, verse 17 through 21, I'll just state this. They got a promotion. Daniel's experience, experiment worked. Their experiment worked. He said, put us to test. And thank God, fam, we need to be put on the test line. And these four men knew something that many of us never get, and that is that, it, that we will do as God says. He will be with us. He will not fail us. And you need to step out by faith and stand. Young people, stand. I know we ain't got many young people here. I wish all the teenagers were here. I wish we could have bust them in tonight. Stand for God. Please stand for God. Please, don't compromise. I've seen, I've, seen, I've seen our young people compromise on Facebook, Snapchat, and they try to look like the world, act like the world, and put ungodly things about their lifestyle that nobody ought to know. And their testimony is ruined. 
and they're disqualified from leadership. And folks, we just want to be popular. We want to, we want to, we want everybody to love us and like us and like us on the little page and make a good comment how cool we are. Well, I'm going to tell you something. It's about time somebody takes a stand for God and not be, their one goal is to be cool, but to be like Christ. If you don't do it now, you will cow down later and it'll take you lower than you ever thought. In verse 17 through 20 of that chapter, praise God, we see the excellence. They were 10 times better, 10 times better. And folks, I believe that's just terminology. They were so much better, it was, un, it was unbelievable. And I'll tell you how much they were 10 times better. Verse three says, nobody better go against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this wasn't just a one-time thing. Daniel faced the line at 85 years old. He served for 90 years in that providence. And he was faithful the whole 90 years. And they said, you can't pray. He said, you watch me. And he prayed three times openly with his window open. Probably wasn't no window, but he prayed in the window. Amen. He probably prayed on the, leaning out the window. Oh God, you're the God of all gods. You're over all. So they threw him in the lion's den. You know what those lions did? They said, we don't want no 85 year old meat. Praise God. We're looking for somebody else. Throw some, some of these heathens in here with their little uh, tenaciousness. That tough meat's what we want. They couldn't touch holy, a holy body yielded to God. And I'm not saying you won't have problems. And I won't say that you won't be persecuted. There's people that died for the faith. Martyrs. You read Fox's book of martyrs, it'll help you not be wimpy. Amen. But I'll say this, friend. Thank God it's worth it. It's worth it to have the world say there is no other God but the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel. So can I say this real quick? Don't compromise. Don't give in. Endure to the end. Be a vessel of honor, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. Be a vessel of honor. Stay faithful to the end. Let me close there was a giant 400 old redwood came crushing down one day after 400 years. They couldn't figure it out. The tree had survived four centuries of storms, four centuries of lightning hitting it, earthquakes even. What fell it? What caused it to fall? On closer inspection after that huge redwood fell, it must have been in California where they're at, Crashing down one day, they couldn't figure it out why the tree had survived all these storms. And on closer inspection, the investigators found that tiny little beetles had found their way inside the trunk and had began to eat away its life-giving fibers, weakening the mighty bulk of that inside out, from inside out. In much the same way the devil's trying to bring Christianity down to a steady drone of small, seemingly insignificant temptations. While we're fighting, resisting him in one area, he, might be, he may be settling up uh, in, in our soul and creeping in our soul with one compromise, then another compromise, and folks will fall if we fall.
to that. We must purpose in our heart to have faith in God and to stand for God and to be a testimony of God. And Folks, I really believe with all my heart we are in a turning point for America. I believe this election is the most important election we'll ever have. We said that last four years, but just think about what would have happened four years ago if the liberals had got in, the Christ rejectors. I'd hate to think what would happen to Georgia if that Abram lady got in. We'd all be locked up. Amen? You talk, you talk about your little mask, you wouldn't even be able to get out of the house. Be like down in Peru. Thank God. Thank God that we can stand in these dark days and be a light, a testimony, and stand for God because we purpose in our hearts that we will not compromise. Father, use this message. Lord, I thank you that Daniel wasn't mentioned in Hebrews 11, that sure was implied. He quenched the mouth of lions and Lord, I thank you that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego might not have been mentioned, but they sure stood in the fire, and you sure stood with them. And so, Lord, dear God, I don't think there's a more important message I could ever preach on faith. By faith, we stand. By faith, we rededicate. We have our desires, our testimony on display to a lost searching and groping world that has no convictions. Lord, help us to be proof positive evidence that you are the living God. And we're going to praise you. That you can supernaturally take kings and people in leadership and all of a sudden, praise God, they're mentioning you several times in their speech. And praise God, they're not ashamed to mention the name Jesus. And they're not ashamed to mention when life starts. Thank you, Lord. It's amazing. And Lord, in all this darkness, praise God, there's a ray of hope. But it does not depend upon the politicians. It depends upon each young person that goes to college, that goes to high school this week. They'll stand in the classroom and stand in the hallway and stand in the yard and stand against the party and stand against the liquor and stand against the drugs and stand against the spewing philosophy that there is no God. Lord, help them to be the salt, the light. Help them be the witness. Help them to be purposed in their heart as they go back to school. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I didn't preach just to the young people. I preached to the parents of the young people. Have me say, preacher, by the grace of God in these last days, I want to stand for God. I want a purpose in my heart, not to take the diet of the world, not to take the delights of the world, and not to be dedicated to the world, but be dedicated to the living God that saved my soul and has sustained my life. And by the grace of God, I want to be that testimony that there is only one living God and only one living hope for our nation that's your desire tonight, would you raise your hand high for prayer? God bless you. You're going to need it because if you ever make that decision, the devil will fight you. The flesh will fight you. And the world will fight you. Stand for God. Our Father, thank you for tonight and thank you for the message.
I pray, God, you'd use it for your glory in Jesus' name. For your sake and for your glory, we pray.